Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Object Class Collapsibles, the podcast where your hosts, A Random Day and Captain Kirby, argue at each other and call it a podcast. On this week's episode, we will be discussing what else? Collapsibles. It is in the title that you announced just now. Indeed it is, and it was not hidden under a collapsible. Uh, which brings us to the topic of our podcast today. So, bef- so for the benefit of our listeners, what is a collapsible in this context, Kirby? Um, well, so hopefully all of you have read an SCP that has a collapsible in it. It's that like piece of red text that you click on, and then the it expands, and then when you click on it again, it collapses back again. It's relatively self-explanatory, although you may not know the terminology for it, because that's just collapsible is what it's called in wiki.land. More recognizably, it is uh, when you look at an article and you see like a red line of text with a plus next to it, and you click on the text and then more text appears underneath it, that is essentially a collapsible. It is a way of obvious it's a way of hiding or it's a way of hiding away text so that something is uh, more readable or just doesn't take up as much space on your screen. And on the SCP wiki, it has so many different uses that a collapsible is almost in-universe the definition of, I don't know how to define it, but I know it when I see it. I haven't written a single SCP in over two years that had collapsibles in it, but looking back at some of my older articles, when I used a collapsible, I was using it almost as a way to, almost as a way to designate a section. If I'm looking at some of my older articles like SCP-2664, I use collapsibles within addendums to trick readers almost to uh, make to make it initially more palatable to the reader uh, without overwhelming them with a large block of text so as to make the article appear more friendly. That I think that is what I think I was doing when I initially used collapsibles. But for me personally, uh, as my sort of tastes in writing have changed and the style of which I write has changed, I found myself moving more and more away. I found myself moving away from collapsibles specifically because I don't like obfuscating the true length of the article. To me personally, that almost feels a little dishonest, although it is a matter of personal taste. But to me, I find it better to sort of let my readers know writers are getting into the article, how big it's going to be ahead of time. And that, to me, is why I have stopped using collapsibles. Kirby, on the other hand, loves his collapsibles. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Well, yeah, yeah, because so so I will admit there have been times where I've come into an article. I'm like, oh, this will take me like five minutes to read. I get down to the bottom. I click open the collapsible and I'm like, oh, there's another 3000 words down here. Well, that's that's not very nice of you. Most of the time when I see collapsibles, I feel it's kind of more as like an organizational tool. I personally use collapsibles in like three in, in three different ways, not like like in one of three different ways. Sure. Um, the, the first one that I kind of use them in is to sort of take an article and kind of bulk it into chapters. I'm obviously not the I'm not the only one who does this, um, but like some examples of this are I would argue 3001 does this um, the way that the uh, the logs are broken up. The distinction between what happens in Collapsible 1 and Collapsible 2 doesn't mean much in-universe, mm-hmm. but it does really help to kind of break up and chunk the, the logs in a way such that they all kind of group together and make a better um, feeling of progression. Yeah, that's a good point. When I use Colla- uh, in one of my in my own article, SCP-2664, and in a lot of articles with exploration logs in general, collapsibles tend to be used as a way to break up uh, exploration logs into chapters and improve the pacing. 
and especially because it's a lot more palate tolerable for the reader if they can break up these longer logs into chapters that allow them to like take breaks periodically. Also, and I don't even see it with just with exploration logs. I mean, I know that like we have it in 3001 where we have the just the audio logs coming in. I know we also have it in Tufto's proposal where we have incredibly varied um content in each uh section and that one's broken up from an in-universe perspective um based on essentially like theming um it it both has like a narrative theme that each section corresponds to but then it also has like an in-universe like this is all trying to answer this part of the the anomaly just to clarify you're Uh, talking about tufto's 001 proposal the scarlet king yes all right yes for the benefit of our listeners right right um, and then I know that, like, in some places that I've used it, I use it in my SCP-001 proposal um, 05-13. I also use it in my uh, 4K con entry uh, SCP-4321. Like, those are just some places where I, where I know that I have purposely blocked things out um, to kind of create a sense of chapters. So that way... Like, it's easy to be like, oh, so this is, like, the first part, and then we have the middle part, and then we have more middle part, and then we have the ending. And that's – it's it's just – it's a really great organizational tool in that sense because you don't have – like, I think the other kind of ways to break up an article, like, larger headers or, like, horizontal bars are kind – I, I just don't like those aesthetically as much. I think they're not as clean. That's an interesting point. So there's a lot of – there's a lot of good reasons to use collapsibles out of universe, but I almost feel as if in universe the collapsible oftentimes doesn't have meaning in universe. A lot of times it almost feels like they are there for the reader's benefit and they become so much a part of like the language of the site that the reader doesn't even blink when they see the when they see a collapsible even though like in universe there's not a real good sense of what that is collapsible is supposed to represent. Well, I think it's I think it's largely because it's not something that's homogenized. Because there are times where at least I know that I use collapsibles in universe for like a somewhat in universe reason. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, Me too. Um, yeah, like a lot of times I in my earlier work I used to use it to be like, oh, this is a sort of a separate ish document. Um, like especially when I had transcripts, I used to when I had transcripts, I would always put those in a collapsible. I don't do that anymore. That was just a thing that I used to because I thought that it made sense. But like if I had any preface, I would put those outside the collapsible, and then um, you would have the collapsible with the actual transcript, which was supposedly the extra document, and you just go back to the regular um, SCP that you're reading. Yeah, that is actually more. That is exact. Actually, more or less the exact same way I used to use collapsibles. In fact, my last article, uh, as the last article I wrote that used collapsibles, SCP four two twenty. The stinger is buried away within a collapsible, and the way that I use that collapsible in the article is I specifically have I specifically use it as sort of an in-universe password tool. So with SCP-4220, for context for the readers, uh, it is about the moon being hollow, and one thing I do at the beginning of the description of the article is that SCP-4220-2 is the far side of the moon. And then I hit the reader with the big old redacted level 5 clearance. The only collapsible in the article states level 5 access required. And then when you click on the collapsible, it changes to show the transcript, but also the heading of the collapsible suggests that there was an in-universe computer glitch, so that 
the reader's level 4 clearance accidentally becomes level 5 clearance. And so, in-universe, it's a way to cover my bases, essentially, as a way to explain how the reader is able to get this level 5 clearance at the end of the article when they didn't have it at the beginning. What I'm trying to get at here is, how much room do you think there is for the collapsible to be used not just as an out-of-universe tool of convenience, as a means of pacing an article, as a means of breaking it up into chapters, how much room do you think there is for collapsibles to be used in-universe aesthetically or as ways to advance the story? Like, I, I've also done things where I bury a, a stinger in a collapsible. I think the my most obvious example of this is a 45-14, um, the thing that kills you. Um, at the end of the article, like, you go through the testing log, and at the end of the article, there's this little, there's this little blinking uh, collapsible that's saying that you got an email and that and that has now immediately taken what you've read before and it reframes it. It, it gives you a sense of who are like you supposedly, who are you the person reading it? And then it frames why this is related to the previous documentation. It's, it's through the lens of the person reading it. Um, and I also think like, I think that there's more to collapsibles than just as like organizational tool. Because I think there's something really powerful in making someone essentially click something on the screen in order to advance the story. Uh, similar to turning a page, you can use collapsible very explicitly to make the reader turn the page. You tend to do it in a way that will create a sense of organization, but it kind of says that the reader is trying or willing to go to the next section of the article, and they're making their own little but concentrated effort to to see what comes next like i i think this is most notable like as a stinger when you have something at the end of an article and they want to see what comes next but it's hidden so they have to click it and that like it, it's it's it forces the reader to pause for a moment as they move the mouse over and click it but that can be that can help to create a sense of climax in some cases i also think that the act of uh repetitively clicking can create a sense of rhythm uh if you have like another place that i use collapsibles a lot is when i have a lot of very similar um styles of sections to an article and i want to kind of use collapsibles to not just uh compartmentalize each one but also you kind of get a sense of escalation because you have to you have to keep clicking you have to you know that the next section is going to build from the previous one so you have to click to see what comes next and you have to keep clicking it's obviously not super incredibly impactful on the reader because it is just clicking a collapsible, but I think there's something to it. Like as far as in universe stuff is concerned, though, more like you kind of have to really build your article or build your collapsible specifically to accomplish this. If you want to do that, that's good because that makes the collapsible a little bit more meaningful, but it's not like by putting something in a collapsible, you're, putting a huge hindrance on your reader because while i've been talking about like the value of getting someone to click on something as they're reading it's it, it, at the end of the day it's also just not that much work you, you're clicking something on your screen so i actually do want i actually do want to take a moment to discuss sort of like the little how about how collapsible isn't that much work i don't know about you but a lot of times i'll like look at an art i'll kind of like skim an article first to get a feel for it and a lot of times while I'm skimming an article, I'll see that it's got like seven collapsibles near the bottom and my interest will automatically be sapped 
because I feel like a lot of authors on the site tend to overuse collapsibles. They will like, they'll put too much stuff into their article and then they will hide it away with the collapsibles. There's clearly a balance here between like collapsibles having a good purpose and collapsibles being overused. And in an, to a large extent, I think that the reason I have moved away from collapsibles is as a reaction to their sort of overusage in articles. In this, not in the sense that too many articles use them, but it's since that many of the articles that do have collapsibles overuse them. And a lot of times it breaks up the pacing unnecessarily. I almost feel like having too many collapsibles in an article lets the author get away with a lot more unnecessary writing than they would have if they were not able to use a collapsible. What do you think? Follow-up question because I'm 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 I am a little bit confused yes. by your point. Um so first of all, when you say overusing collapsibles, do you actually mean the use of too many collapsibles? Cuz from what you're describing, it seems like there's not much difference between like five different collapsibles that hold like a thousand words each and one collapsible that holds 5,000 words. I do actually feel like the problem with collapsibles tends to fall in one of two extremes. Either A, they have a lot of small things, they have a lot of very small bits of information inside each of these collapsibles. And by forcing me to pause and click each one, it breaks up the pacing of the article poorly. Or... They'll hide lots of really big pieces of writing within each of these collapsibles. And in a lot of cases, I feel like a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that's hidden in these collapsibles is either unnecessary or doesn't contribute to the article. It is stuff that should have been left on the cutting room floor, but wasn't. I will say that when I see an article that has a lot of collapsibles, Depending on how the collapsibles are like worded and titled, sometimes it will be a turnoff for me. Like one thing, if all your collapsibles, if you have eight of them, but they're all named like somewhat the same thing, I, I won't mind as much because to me that means that there's a sense of like continuity and like kind of purposeful purpose with the collapsibles. I have seen articles where I've looked, I've seen like four different kind of arbitrary collapsibles. I open each of, each one of them up and I end up reading through it and it does feel bloated. But I don't think that's so much an issue with collapsibles because I will tell you, I have my, my entry to the 5K contest, um, 5003, has eight collapsibles at the end of it. It is 2,600 words. It is one of the shorter entries into that contest. But I use eight collapsibles because like, it makes sense for me to chunk each of my um, transcripts up that way. It makes sense because I want to have someone click to move on to each one and I want to compartmentalize um, each section so that way it obviously mirrors the next one and the next one and the next one like the eight collapsibles is a very purposeful choice but it doesn't mean anything about the length and it doesn't mean anything about like how well the article is broken up in pace because there's actually there's not that much in each collapsible like it's a question of how well you're able to pace an article and i don't think it's a fault of the collapsible it is usually the case that someone who has a lot of collapsibles at the end of an article that like if they look kind of disjoint that there is a non-zero probability that it's bloated but like you can't judge an article based on its collapsibles because i've read a number of articles that like will have that thing where you reach the end and you have just like a series of collapsibles uh and they're like still really good for them i'm trying i, I have to make sure i get the number right i think yes 
one of my favorite examples of an article that actually has what I think you would look at and be like, oh, God, collapsibles is 3009. The thing is that 3009 is fantastic. I think I actually did enjoy this. I think I actually did, might have enjoyed this one. It's been – I know I can't remember. Oh, it looks like I haven't read this one actually. So, so Either I didn't read it or I never – or I didn't uh, upvote it. One of the, Most likely I didn't read it. I think I wasn't – I'm guessing that I wasn't that interested based on the picture. Uh, yeah. See. 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 This is. This is a. To be fair, when I first saw the picture, I'm, I. I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit, and I didn't like. I didn't really. And I saw how long the conprox were. I didn't really go into it. But then someone was like, "No, it is really good." And it's like it's at it's at plus three hundred and twenty five for a reason. It's actually really. It's a really well constructed character piece. Actually, all of the work by this author is really, really good. Um, they they haven't written a ton, but it, all of it's like A plus work. But they but they also do the thing where they have they have like six collapsibles. They're each labeled something different. But when you read them, they all make sense. They all tell a cohesive story, and it's not. Blo- I wouldn't say it's bloated. I think that each part of each collapsible contributes a lot. I do think there is like such thing as bad use of collapsible, but what you're describing to me is that has nothing to do with collapsible use. It has entirely to do with what you put in the collapsible. So basically, you're saying that my problem with collapsibles is more of is more of the collapsibles being a symptom of poor usage rather than the collapsibles themselves. I know. I'm not even sure it's a symptom. I think that. Because I, I don't think that where you will find collapsibles the way that you describe them, that I don't think that means that a bloated article will follow. Um, just because I have a, a number of examples in my head of collapsibles like that, like uh, the 3009 has collapsibles like that, uh, Tufto's uh, 001 proposal, the Scarlet King has collapsibles like that, my 001 proposal, 05-13, has collapsibles like that. Um, I believe... They, those are the ones that I had pulled up and prepared ahead of time as examples. Um, it's not a question of like as a symptom. It is a question of when you have a bloated article in the first place, on a quick scan, if someone doesn't open your collapsibles, you can kind of make it look like you don't have a bloated article. But then someone's going to open those collapsibles and they're going to read a bloated article. Yeah. <laughs> and in a lot of cases, that's kind of, and one of, that's kind of one of the reasons I don't really have – a bloat. I don't really have an example off the top of my head. The other being that I don't want to call someone out on this podcast. But in general, a lot of the art. But I in general, a lot of the articles that I kind of talk about, and a lot of the articles that I'm, and a lot of the articles that have engendered this feeling with me, they do tend to sort of get downvoted and deleted, which is a good thing because it means that in general, the articles that we're seeing on the site now that tend to, that have a lot of classicals, they use them well, and they use them for good pacing, and they use them for good um, separation, would you put it? They use it as a good way to break up the article and section it off. It's effective usage of uh, collapsibles. Yeah, so that thing that, that I think is a good segue into what I think should be the next topic. What are effective uses of collapsibles and what do you like to use what do you like to use collapsibles for and where do you think the best places to use collapsibles in an article are uh, and contrarily can you think of cases where authors like to use collapsibles that you don't think they need to all right so 
I know that. So before I had talked about some ways that I like to use collapsibles, like to, to create things as chapters, to create a sense of repetition, and to kind of make the reader go a little bit out of their way to actually access a piece of information. I think those are my three favorite ways of using collapsibles. Uh, and I think that they all like there's merit in each of them. And you don't need to like you don't need to use collapsibles if you want to do that for your article. That's just how I enjoy doing it. I think one that I did not mention that I don't really do this at all, but I see this on a lot of articles that are like contest entries and like usually very long articles is when a collapsible is used to hide the majority of the article. This is used uh, in SCP-2000 and SCP-3000. Um, I think 4000? Not 4000. Really? 4000 has the uh, kind of a uh, an amalgam of various types of uh of various collapsibles oh yeah it's used oh yeah scp 4000 is using the multiple collapsible types but in yeah. general it does seem that what about scp 1000 I, I think it's just 3000 and 2000 for the kcons but then mm -hmm. i believe 3930 does a similar thing and 17 scp 1730 loves its collapsibles it does, but that one makes sense. It's an actual novel. You know what? That's um, fair. SCP-1730 is a ma is a gigantic motherfucker of a piece. There are so many collapse. There are yeah, so many yeah. collapsibles in that one, and like the way that they're named too implies that there are a ton of other chapters that we're not seeing, which I all which I think is another really clever way of using a collapsible. But getting back to getting back to what we were originally talking about, which is that. The tendency for collapsibles to like hide the entirety of a piece, uh, that I think tends to fall into a fourth category of collapsible that I tend that I see and that tends to pop up in a lot of contest articles. Clearance, like the in-universe clearance verification, it is it's one of the oldest ways to immerse the reader yeah. into the article by insinuating that like by opening up this collapsible, they have entered and gotten clearance to read this article and i think that adds to the immersion a lot but at the same time i don't know if that's always really necessary i don't know if it's necessary mm -hmm. i will say that it is effective at immediately raising the stakes of an article and immediately raising like a sense of gravitas and like tension in a way uh just because there's that idea that you're looking at something that you're not supposed to and like it's hidden away you need authorization and the reader generally doesn't exactly think of themselves as like, oh, yes, I am I am the god of this world. I should see all that there is to see. There's kind of that, that sense of, oh, I'm looking at something I'm not supposed to. And so it kind of does that. It's very effective at that. Yeah, you don't, te you don't get that swelled head until you've been a part of the site for a couple of years. I guess you see from experience. The... Uh, very oftentimes when you see an article like that, I agree, it's something you see often in contest entries, largely because contest entries are trying to be kind of like bigger than life, which makes sense. They want to make a big splash. It's kind of what you want to do for a contest. Yeah. But like, and when you do that, you kind of create this sense of expectations. Because if you do this, and then what's underneath the collapsible isn't that interesting, you, you, you're kind of, you, you kind of, you're going to disappoint your audience. Yeah, I often see a lot of new users hit with the critique that, like, their article demands, like, 
05 access or like level five or like the level fives to sign off on a thing when in universe it makes no sense that like an overseer or someone way high up would even have to worry about like an article on this scale and so i agree with you in that class roles in this way are effective at creating a sense of gravitas but at the same time they open themselves up to abuse uh, and usage in ways that aren't necessary. Yeah, I mean, yeah. When you when you do that, you have to justify it. Like, there's a lot of little tricks you can do that will sort of um, amp up the expectations of your articles. And if you kind of need to, you need to follow through on them in order to justify it. Doing that kind of trick with a collapsible so, is sort of like uh, using a format screw on your article. People are now expecting something, and if you don't deliver then you're going to end up disappointing someone. Right. That's a good point. I think we find ourselves in agreement about what collapsibles are good for. More or less, yeah. In contrast, do you think there's anything collapsible people use collapsibles for that they aren't very good for? So I don't have many examples of this off the top of my head. There's stuff that I know I would not want to see a collapsible used for. Like, for example... If you're just putting just a little bit of new information in there, unless the information is like extremely poignant, if it's like kind of background information, you may not want to put that in a collapsible. It's hard to truly abuse collapsibles unless your article is just not well paced in the first place. Because like, at least for me, I don't really mind what is and what is not underneath a collapsible as long as it seeks to advance the story well. Like, if you put one sentence in a collapsible, hopefully that's an important sentence. But if it's not, and it's just some arbitrary piece of information, that's more a question of why is this here? Why did you have to paste your article in such a way that you had to put this in a collapsible? Things like that. Like, I think the only times that you can truly abuse a collapsible is when you don't take into account how it's going to affect your pacing. But, like, there's not, like, a single use case where it's like, ah, nah, I don't like it when you put your dialogue in a collapsible. Or I don't like it when you put two different types of logs in your collapsible. I don't care as long as it makes sense in context of the story you're telling. Even though I don't use collapsibles that much anymore, I definitely agree with you that collapsibles still have a... I agree with you that collapsibles still have a valuable place on the site. And I especially appreciate you kind of opening my eyes to the ways you like to use collapsibles because it hardly occurred to me to use them as a way of like, I never really put it into words that I use collapsibles for pacing and breaking up articles almost. In a lot of ways, it feels to me like I kind of saw other people use them that way and I picked up on that habit, but I never really put it into words before or even consciously understood why I was using collapsibles in that way. I mean, I will admit, I kind of use the word pacing a lot. It's something that I think about a lot in context of articles, but like a lot of the reasoning why I do certain things in articles is because I know I have to get the pacing to to be a certain way or else the story doesn't land. And so there's also a non-zero chance that I'm overusing and abusing the term pacing. <laughs> I mean, your articles are pretty well received, so you must be doing something with them, right? I, I would like to think so. I know there's people who disagree with that, but I don't know. It's hard to tell the difference between continuously falling, uh, falling on your feet and actually knowing how to how to land. 
So we're only about 30 minutes into this podcast, and I think we have enough time for one more topic of formatting. A very similar style of formatting on the site that is, I'd say, just as versatile and, more importantly, that I am not yet tired of, and that is the footnote. Oh, I've heard... Okay, yeah, I have opinions on footnotes. I've also heard a number of opinions on footnotes, which I understand. Footnotes are... They're weird. Footnotes are especially funny to me because unlike, say, the collapsible, which almost exclusively gets used in SCPs and is very rarely used in Tales, I think the footnote tends to see almost equal usage in SCPs and in Tales, but unlike the collapsible, which sees almost a myriad of different uses in SCPs, the footnote almost has, like, one very specific use case in SCPs, and then another very specific use case in Tales. So, in SCPs, I tend to see that, like, a footnote is used almost in place of a parenthesis, where if you want to explain a term or you want to add some, like, in-universe background or something to a, like, in-universe terminology, you'll hit it with a footnote that explains what the term is or gives some background on the term, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And then in a tale, you tend to see footnotes used for, like, very dry... Tend to use for dry comedy. I would say that Jorik probably popularized the footnote. And he set the example for how footnotes tend to be used in tales. And really have been used in tales since, like, 2012. Uh, yes. First, there is Jorik. And before then, there is no such thing as footnotes. Everyone just put their citations for their essays in, like, parentheses. The footnote was invented by Jork when he wrote Adventures in Capitalism. Uh, so, the other thing, though, is if you don't think you ever see collapsibles and tales, you don't read enough of my tales. Um, but that's a separate point. Isn't that just because you put all your tales into SCPs and trick us into reading those instead? I mean, you're not wrong, but I also use collapsibles in my tales. Um, but with regarding to the footnotes... I think that footnotes, one of the reasons why you're going to see footnotes be used in a more homogenized way in an SCP, I think, is because footnotes actually appear in actual documentation. They aren't always used in the same way that you see them used in SCPs. They're often used as a citation tool. But it's not like you never see them used to expound upon a term or explain something or give some context. That's something you actually see footnotes being used for in the real world. It's not like the most common thing most of the time when I see a footnote, it is for a citation, but like I've seen I've seen that before. You don't see collapsibles out in the wild. <laughs> you don't see collapse yeah, you don't see collapsibles in the wild. They are a critically endangered species found only on one website on the internet, the SCP wiki. <laughs> critically endangered species on a critically endangered website. But the uh footnote entails on the other hand, that one essentially I've seen it used for more than just dry humor but i think essentially when you're working with prose you get to work off of the fact that you can abandon a lot of the rules you have before so people can treat the footnote as a new form of parenthetical and then tweak whatever is going to go in the parenthetical to fit the the tale in question it's effectively an aside it's an it's an aside from other either the author or the narrator or some other source to the reader and you can use that aside for, for a lot of different things. You don't have to use footnotes as asides. That's how I most often see them. But when you put it in context of like an aside, 
you can do so much with a footnote in a tale just because I've abandoned what I use a footnote for normally. Um, honestly, I think the reason why you don't see collapsibles as much in tales is because usually tales are not needed to be chunked into chapters. If it needs to be chunked into chapters, normally you that's where you either see the horizontal bar or you have just a straight-up tale series. And I think you, most people see the horizontal bar there because that's essentially Wikidot's version of, like, uh, when you see the three asterisks. Um, asterisks? Asterisks? Asterisks. Plurals are hard. Um, but either way, when you see that in, like, normal fiction, that's a way that people do scene changes um, in traditional fiction, and that's kind of Wikidot's equivalent. Uh, you could obviously do that yourself, but that's kind of an accepted as the Wikidot equivalent of that little um, that little uh, formatting trick you see in, in regular prose. Right. One of the reasons the collapsible gets so much usage in SCPs is because it serves as sort of you established earlier. It fulfills a lot of purposes that sort of like chapters and subdivisions and the triple asterisks fulfill in prose. With the bonus that, for whatever reason, its existence is taken for granted on the site, and so readers are able to see it and accept it and accept the collapsible for its purpose without losing their sense of immersion or losing the feeling of reading a secretive bureaucratic document. Yeah, yeah. Whereas when you're reading a tale, you're sort of committed to the understanding that you are not reading a bureaucratic document, you are an audience for a piece of prose. Exactly. And so you're, you don't need the collapsible because you're already committed to sort of being semi out of the tail. Exactly. Exactly. You, there, there, you need a suspension of disbelief for a tale, but it's entirely different kind of suspension of disbelief than you need for reading an SCP document. And sort of because of that, you can get away with a lot more. There's a lot more things that kind of already exist to do the things that collapsibles do for SCPs. You oftentimes aren't trying to do the things that collapsibles are trying to do with SCPs, specifically regarding things like ratcheting up the tension for secret information or things like that. I mean, you can still use a collapsible in a tale. I do that in a number of places to kind of ratchet up tension, but in a different way. I've used it to also chunk a tale into different parts, but I used it sort of as like miniature section headings. There's like places that you can use them, and there you can kind of go wild with it. Again, it kind of comes back to as long as you're using your tail, or bleh, as long as you're using your collapsible uh, in a way that makes sense for the story you're telling, it doesn't really matter how you use it, it just has to make sense. It just has to, like, not destroy the pacing. Yeah, that's a good point. So, Kirby, I know you've talked about how footnotes have a lot more versatility than sort of the dry humor I've mentioned. Can you, I really can't think, I'm drawing a complete blank on like tales that use footnotes in other ways. Do you have any uh, off the top of your head or is that going to be left as an exercise for the reader? Unfortunately, I'm only able to draw from like my own examples. I don't have examples of other people's tales using them off the top of my head. Um, I feel like they do show up in prose sometimes, but whenever I see them used, I feel like they're always in reference to like, Terry Pratchett or Douglas Adams as a means of injecting sort of comedic commentary into a piece of prose rather than for any other purpose. I feel like they are very one note in that sense. And 
I don't really have a problem with them being one note in that sense, but I do feel that because they tend to get used in this like way of injecting Pratchett-esque humor, they tend to become very stale very quick because authors are just using them in this one way. They're trying to copy Terry Pratchett's humor rather than trying to develop their own style of humor or introduce or be funny in their own way. And that is my biggest criticism of uh, footnotes and prose in that they tend to be used specifically for these like Pratchett-esque asides when in a lot of times the tale doesn't need to be Pratchett-esque. And worse, injecting that Pratchett-esque humor tends to kill the pacing of the article. Like it's the sort of thing where I said that all the things that I thought it could be used for because I swore I had seen them used like that before. And now I'm just not finding the things that used it like that, which – is there anything where it's like if I was to use it, like if I, if I was going to be using um, footnotes in a tale, I wouldn't. My uh, humor is not the first place that my mind would go. There's a, a number of other ways that I would imagine I would be able to use it. Well, why don't you talk about those ways? Uh, just recap them for the audience. Give them ideas. Yeah. So generally, when I think of trying to use like footnotes in prose, I would think that you can use it. I guess I did, I said what I, what I would use it for before as an aside to the author, but you don't necessarily need to use asides necessarily in a comedic sense. Um, you can use it as a way to juxtapose maybe something that the narrator is saying to give a sense of distrust in the narrator. You can use it to essentially impose another character's voice over a narrative. So if you have someone else who's writing what's in the footnotes and you can have their perspective in contrast to the narrators. That's a different, a different way to talk about the one that I just said about trust, but I guess more generalizable. Uh, another way that you could use it honestly is if you want to like hide information, like an actual footnote in an SCP, if you want to try to create a more of a barren sense in your prose, you can move a lot of your description like to a footnote. So like, Visually, it looks much less dense than it is. Um, those are just some ideas, although they are kind of wily and not exactly well-formed. Uh, mostly because when, when you're just injecting a new form of parenthetical into an article, like things like collapsibles and the various forms of uh, format that you can put into something on the wiki that you aren't necessarily always going to have access to in traditional prose. It's about figuring out what fits your story the best and really abusing the format to do that. Uh, whether it's using your collapsibles to uh, indicate that you're looking at a higher clearance level, whether it's using your footnotes to inject the voice of a new character, whether it's... Uh, stuffing images in your footnotes because i think you can do that it's a question of like why is this important to your story and a lot of times you can look at a story and be like oh i can use this clever formatting trick to really to really bring out some of the the punch to it i think i agree with you like at the end of the day i don't think a footnote or a class will can make or break an article but they are how well they are used is ultimately going to be symptomatic of how well the article itself is written I don't know. And... There's that one Min Min article with that one footnote. Oh, <laughs> yeah, but like that is again. That's kind of like, uh, gosh, I can't remember the n number of it off the top of my head. I think it's like four seven three seven. It's or something. called um, 
a gun to chase your dreams with. I'm pretty sure that's the title of it. Wait, wait, I will find it because I believe that's the title and I can find it from that. But see, here's the thing about that footnote. It is still used for like very dry humor. It is blacker than like Arabica coffee, but it is still very dry almost. Well, I guess not Pratchett-esque, but it's still used for a, for a very dry humor purpose. Yeah, that's dry humor in an SCP document, not even in a, not in a tale, which is which why is it, why it works. Why yeah, because you expect it to give you more explanation. You're like, oh, so that's where you're going. For the record, it is forty-seven twenty-seven. Forty-seven twenty-seven. Okay, so I was oh, close. Oh, gun to chase your dreams with is so good. It <laughs> really is. One that one, that footnote alone makes. I guess you're. I guess I'm still wrong. There really are articles where a footnote can make it or break it. It's such a good footnote. It really. It, it's a, just a tremendous footnote, and Nidman is just overall a tremendous writer. He's very, very good. <laughs> On the sense that we both agree with something, Min Min is a very good author, and one of the things I think that he really excels at is taking advantage of the SCP format to convey very, like, humorous or very cute ideas or in a very droll sense. Like, everyone knows Min Min for 2747. Which is honestly an abuse of the collapsible. Which is an abuse of the collapse. It is a... It's a fantastic... It is a phenomenal abuse of the collapsible. Yeah, Min Min... It is a downright abuse of the collapsible, and it's fantastic. Minmin really does show a masterful... He has a masterful grasp on how to use collapsibles and footnotes in articles, really. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to know how to use a collapsible or a footnote, go read Minmin's articles. You should just go read Minmin's articles anyways. They're all, they're all underappreciated, except for 2747. 2747 is still really good. They're underappreciated because of 2747. This is true. They, But yeah, Minmin's stuff is fantastic, and you should go read it. Yeah. So just as a quick recap for this episode, we went over collapsibles and a little bit about footnotes. We talked about why are collapsibles used in articles. We talked about the ways they can enhance the pacing, the ways they can break up uh, parts of an SCP. We talked about how they don't always see use in a tale, mainly because their multifunctional purpose in SCPs is superseded by elements of prose like line breaks or asterisk separators but how they can still find some use in a tale and we also talked a little bit about footnotes how they tend to be much more homogenous mainly because they have an out of universe real life purpose that the scp format tends to copy but at the same time how they can still be used for comedic and uh how they can still be used outside of their more out of their most common purposes within the context both of an scp and a tale anything that i forget i don't think you missed anything awesome uh this was a really fun episode to talk about yeah no this is good yeah i really think we got a lot more out of this than i was expecting to honestly who knew that we could go on for almost an hour about collapsibles 30 minutes ago well it seems like we've run out of things to say about collapsibles <laughs> that train of thought has I was gonna make I was gonna try and make a collapsed joke there, but I couldn't come up with it. Uh, it collapsed under its own weight. <laughs> I was going to make that joke if you didn't, so I'm happy you did. <laughs> and on that note, take care, everyone. See you next time.